Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here with Chris and Andrew today, and today we are digging into David and Goliath. So we see the the actual battle takes place here. Uh, What do you guys notice as we're going through this thing? Well, I mean, even just the setup for the battle, you know, this is kind of a way that nations would do battle back in these days, that they would line up, they would have a representative of their champion uh, go out and fight. And basically, whoever won that fight, their army won, which kind of was a much more efficient way to do battle because you weren't going to lose an entire army. But it was also seen as a battle between the nation's gods. And so every we can't separate religion from military in the Old Testament culture because they were connected. And so that's why when Goliath is taunting, he's not just taunting Israel's army, he's taunting Israel's God. And that's probably what gets David more upset than, than the threats against the army. So these representatives are going to decide the battle for the entire army by going one-on-one in this this fight. That's definitely what get, gets David's attention. Like he is furious that this guy's just out there taunting his god. Um and it's interesting that also the entire army's there and they don't necessarily mind that as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're not they're not as bothered by by that one. Uh so there was an interesting book that came out a couple years ago uh called David and Goliath, interesting name in the story, but it was written by Malcolm Gladwell. So he's a New York Times bestselling author. He wrote The Tipping Point. And he actually had a really interesting take on this uh, that we often look at, you know, it's the little guy winning the battle here, but Gladwell actually shows that this was not a contest from the get-go and it was tipped in David's favor because we've got this huge giant who probably was suffering from some kind of actual physical ailment. I, I f- can't remember the exact agrophilia or acrophilia or something that when people have are a giant that they're, they tend to be slow. They tend to have very bad eyesight. Um, they even can be very mentally slow in some ways. And we've got Goliath out there ready for hand-to-hand combat. Well, David's expertise is with the sling and the stone. He is an expert at distance battle. And so there was never going to be a hand-to-hand battle going on here because David's weapons were from a distance. There's very likely that Goliath didn't even see him. In fact, if you look at some of the texts, the interaction they have, it's like you, you can kind of get that sense that he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, so in many ways, it, God is still the champion. David is still very courageous. But God set the situation up that uh, David was perfectly in his element to use a slinger stone to, to take down this mighty uh, Goliath. One final interesting thing on that book, uh, as Malcolm Gladwell studied this story of David and Goliath, he actually came back to faith. That through studying this and through realizing he returned to the faith of his childhood, his dad was a preacher, and through digging in, he actually came back to, to God through this. So that was kind of an interesting footnote. He shared that at a conference I heard, so that's not in his book, but he did share that at a conference. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Wow. That's really cool. That that kind of, well, anyway, no, we'll, we can dig into that later but that oddly reminds me a little bit of this psalm i don't know so anyway 
which we are going to get to a psalm, but this this battle when David kills Goliath, it kind of leads us into all of a sudden this is going to sour the relationship mm-hmm. between David and Saul even more. And from this point on, we've got Saul trying to kill David. He knows the kingdom is being taken from him, and now he's got this threat that this is the new champion of Israel. Uh, this is the guy who stood up to the enemy. And Saul doesn't take too kindly to opposition or to a threat to his throne. Well, we, we were talking some about uh, Saul's insecurity yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now he becomes even more insecure as like popular opinion is shifting far away from Saul. The, the, song, the, the song that the women come <laughs> out to sing, like, Saul killed a thousand, but David killed tens of thousands. Um, it, it really bothers him. And now he's just like outwardly trying to figure out how to get David killed. And it's not working real great. Yeah, and I mean, there's different. Saul starts throwing the spear at David. Yeah. He tries to uh, end up using David's wife to get to him, and so we we start to see this continued descent of Saul. But now, David's actual life is in danger. Mm-hmm. That uh, being in the court of Saul, playing the harp for him, uh, it's it's actually a life threatening occupation. He's just like playing his harp, just jumping out of jumping away from spears and just no, that's away. now that's some that's some next level instrument playing right there you now. Go. You that and you're ready for anything that comes there you out. go andrew is our resident musician here. there you go how, how would you feel playing guitar on stage sunday morning if matt and i started throwing spears at you well listen i think that's an overlooked part an important overlooked part of guitar practice is that you actually <laughs> have to practice guitar with like things being flung at you like you know one of those tennis ball gun things. yeah and so you have to you really that's the the way you're supposed to practice guitar I think this is a way to keep people engaged in services, actually. Yeah, I uh, I must say, I did not know that you got tennis ball shot at you to become a better guitar player. Maybe that's why I never got good at it. No. <laughs> well, not all guitar. I don't think there. I, I think the real guitar teachers do that. They they throw things at you while you play. So. It's like a Mr. Miyagi situation. Yeah. Wax on. Yeah. Wax off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we, uh, one of, one of the things that I appreciate a lot about the, the way this Bible is structured is that they, they pull some things out and place them in the stories as they happen. So we get into Psalm 59 in the context of how David wrote it. So David writes this Psalm, uh, as there is like this group of soldiers just waiting to kill him, kind of like to, to ambush him. Um, so what did you guys notice as we look at this Psalm? Well, I think it's, I think it's pretty amazing. I mean, I love, I mean, okay. So we just, Listen to this last weekend um, at the, I guess we can safely say that at the time of the recording mm-hmm. of this broadcast, yeah. this last weekend, we got to hear the opening of our series on songs by Chris's wife, Lindsay, um, and talking about making, stressing the point of how David had this great thing where he would come to God with everything like raw and, but had also had this really great ability to also say, you know what, um, of almost stirring his heart back up to God or, or remembering God coming and laying these really raw requests mm-hmm. before God saying they're doing all these things, God. And, but the way that this Psalm ends is like this massive encouragement to me. But as for me, I'm going to sing about your power. Each morning I'll sing with joy about your unfailing love. And I was thinking about that this morning. Like I think that that I think one of the big differences here that that this makes me think of is that David was somehow actually kind of hungry for God, hungry for for his unfailing love and recognizing God's joy. That is very different than the Saul that Mm. we see. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know what it was like when, um, uh, even though I'm jumping ahead a little bit, when when uh, the Spirit of God comes on Saul, maybe he got a taste of that and re- remember that for a second. But that wasn't the story of his life. He didn't want to live in that. And but I but David is almost kind of waking his soul up to this. He's saying, "God, I'm in danger. These people are coming after me." And and he's and he sounds like he's in the throes of it. He's like, "This isn't right. Like mm. these like this can't be happening." And I'm. I'm stressed, I'm worried, I'm having to flee in the middle of the night, but each morning I'm going to sing about with joy about your unfailing love. And I think that's massive. Like I, I think that there's something very core to that, that, that can be done in our own lives. If we are letting ourselves do that letting ourselves, letting our hearts kind of like go to God in that same kind of way. Every yeah. Day. I think that's the beauty of putting these historical psalms in in the chronology that we're not just randomly hearing about David's feeling threatened by his enemies. Like he literally just went out through the window. Uh, and so it, it becomes so real that way. So I think we're going to, the psalms are going to, historical psalms are going to come alive for us in this chronological reading for sure. All right, guys, uh, we are going to keep following uh, David and Saul as we continue into First Samuel. So we'll see you again tomorrow. See ya. Bye. 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If an animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine." Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with a shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his this ruddy-faced boy. "'Am I a dog?' he roared at David. "'That you come at me with a stick?' And he cursed David by the names of his gods. "'Come over here, and I'll give you give your flesh to the birds and wild animals,' Goliath yelled." David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. 
When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sharem as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistines' head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. As Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. We'll find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, because he loved him and he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me only with thousands? Next they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. One day, Saul said to David, I'm ready to give you my older daughter, Mirab, as your wife. But first, you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. Who am I? And what is my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed. My father's family is nothing. So when the time came for Saul to give his daughter Mirab in marriage to David, he gave her instead to Adriel, a man from Mehalah. In the meantime, Saul's daughter, Michal, had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David he said, Today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Then Saul told his men to say to David, The king really likes you, and so do we. Why don't you accept the king's offer and become his son-in-law? When Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, How can a poor man from a humble family afford the bride price for a daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported back to the king, he told them, Tell David that all I want for the bride price is 100 Philistine foreskins. Vengeance on my enemies is all I really want. 
But what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. David was delighted to accept the offer. Before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. Then David fulfilled the king's requirement by presenting all their foreskins to him. So Saul gave his daughter Michal to David to be his wife. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter Michal loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him, and he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Every time the commander of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful against them than all the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I will tell you everything I can find out. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant, David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled the spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, leaving the spear stuck in the wall. He fled and escaped into the night. Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him, If you don't escape tonight, you'll be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through the window, and he fled and escaped. She, then she took an idol and put it in his bed, covered it with blankets, and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. When the troops came to arrest David, she told them that he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. But Saul sent the troops back to get David. He ordered, Bring him to me in his bed so I can kill him. But when they came to carry David out, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at its head. Why have you betrayed me like this and let my enemy escape, Saul demanded of Michael. I had to, Michael replied. He threatened to kill me if I didn't help him. Psalm 59. This is the Psalm of David regarding the time Saul sent soldiers to watch David's house in order to kill him. Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. First enemies are out there waiting, Lord. Though I have not sinned or offended them, I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. Wake up and see what is happening and help me. O Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish those hostile nations. Show no mercy to the wicked traitors. They come in at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. Listen to the filth that comes from their mouth. Their words cut like swords. After all, who can hear us, they sneer. But Lord, you laugh at them. You scoff at all the hostile nations. You are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me. For you, O God, are my fortress. In his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. He will let me look down in triumph on all my enemies. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power and bring them to their knees. O Lord, our shield. Because of the sinful things they say, because of the evil that is on their lips, let them be captured by their pride, their curses and their lies. Destroy them in your anger. Wipe them out completely. 
Then the whole world will know that God reigns in Israel. My enemies come out at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food, but go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. O my strength, to you I sing praises. For you, O God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18. So David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel, and he told him all that Saul had done to him. Then Samuel took David with him to live at Naoth. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naoth in Ramah, he sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also began to prophesy. When Saul heard about what happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived at the Great Wall in Seku, where are Samuel and David, he demanded. They are at Naoth in Ramah, someone told him. But on the way to Naoth in Ramah, the Spirit of God came even upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. The people who were watching him exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.